Good morning, Summit Church. I'm so excited to be coming to your screens today, and I'm so happy that I get to be part of your service today, and I get an opportunity to wish you a belated birthday. Happy 18th birthday. Wow. I'm celebrating with you as you get to be an adult, or I can use John's word and say you are a tiny adult, but congratulations for this journey that you've made for the last 18 years, and it is my prayer that God will continue to be with you in the next 18 years. I'm well. I thank God my family is safe and the Lord has preserved us during this you know, pandemic season. We are all well and I bless the Lord for that. Now, the last time I was with you, my family was just my mom and my brother, but now we've grown. My mom got married this year and now our family has become bigger and bigger. And that has, that's a prayer that God has answered, a prayer we've made for the last 23 years of her being a single parent. And now guess what? She has a partner and amazing, amazing husband, and we celebrate with her. Now, before we dive into the sermon today, I want us to play a small game. Now, this is how we're going to do it. I'll ask you a question. I'll, I'll gonna, I'm going to mention a word, and then you'll tell me what comes to your mind when you hear that word. It's more fun when you close your eyes. Uh, no, wait, I'm not supposed to close my eyes. You close your eyes. I'll do the reading. What comes to mind when you hear the word politician? What comes to mind when you hear the word doctor? What comes to mind when you hear the word celebrity? And what comes to mind when you hear the word Christian? Today, we are going to talk about who a Christian is and what is required of a Christian. So the question is, who is a Christian? A Christian is someone who believes in Christ and follows his teachings. The Bible calls this person a disciple. We see so many references, the Bible calling this person a disciple, which means a follower of Christ. So a Christian is a disciple of Jesus Christ. And because this word is so famous in the Bible, we are going to use the word disciple as we move on with our sermon today. Our scripture reading will be from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, from verse 18 to verse 22. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me or you can switch there with me. I'm going to read the New King James Version. This is what the Bible says. And Jesus, verse 18, and Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Kindly say a word of prayer with me. Our Lord, we honor you this morning. Thank you for the privilege to share your word together with this beautiful church. And Lord, as your word comes forth, I pray would you give us understanding through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, this morning, would you use me as your vessel? to minister to your people. In Jesus' name we pray, 
Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. So from our scripture here, we see that Jesus was taking a walk on the beach at the Sea of Galilee. And this was the time that Jesus was beginning his ministry. He had just preached a sermon. He had just talked to people, telling them about the kingdom of God. And as he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he spots two men. This is Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were together on the boat. And after speaking to them, he makes an invitation and tells them, come, be my, come follow me. And then they're going to be his disciples. And we see as he walked some, some few steps ahead, he sees other brothers. And then he also invites them. They leave the, the, their dad on the, on the boat, mending their nets because they were fishermen and they immediately followed Jesus. When Jesus was beginning his ministry, he saw it as a great idea to start by choosing disciples, appointing disciples. And we see that when Jesus was mapping out the area that he's going to, you know, to pick his disciples, he did not go to Herod's court or to Jerusalem or among the chief priests and the elders, but he decided to go to the Sea of Galilee among the fishermen. Galilee was a remote part of the nation and the inhabitants were less cultivated and less refined. The men that Jesus picked or the men that Jesus appointed to come and follow him from the Sea of Galilee, they did not have the advantages or the finesse and the qualities of the more polished Galileans. But guess what? These were going to be the prime ministers of God's kingdom. This shows us that God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies those he has called. Looking at fishermen back here in Kenya, we have fishermen and most of them are not school educated. Most of them learn this skill from their fathers, which was trickled down to them by their grandfathers. And it, it's a skill that is passed on in a family lineage. And, and, and we would say they're not schooled. And probably that was the story of Peter and the other men that Jesus found at the Sea of Galilee. Probably they had not gone to school to learn anything. They knew only, they only knew how to fish, fish as a skill that they had learned. I want us to note something, that fishing was a respectable vocation back then. Their skill was not going to go on waste God was going to use it as he makes them fishers of men. As they cast out their nets, the Lord was going to release a humongous catch of souls. And these fishers of men, of fish, are becoming great fishers of men. Their skill was not a waste. Today, I want us to discuss three major things that happens in a discipleship process. And we're going to draw these from the scripture that we read. The first one is the invitation. Jesus approaches this man and tells him, come, come follow me. That is an invitation. And one thing that we note from this invitation is that Jesus is the one who calls. I can imagine, you know, Peter and Andrew and John, you know, and the brother, they were fishermen for quite some time. They had seen their dads as fishermen. Probably they'd seen their, grandma, their grandparents as fishermen and they had not 
probably had something exciting or something new. But they did not go to Jesus saying, hey, you man, well, we are bored. We need something new. We need something interesting. Kindly go, go with us. You look like you're funny to be, you're fun to be around. Go with us. No, they did not approach Jesus to invite them or to walk with them. Jesus is the one who reached out to them and made the call and invited them to come and follow him. Jesus is the one who makes the invitation. The book of John chapter 15, verse 16, the Bible says that you did not choose me. This is Jesus speaking, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain. So whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. This scripture tells us that it is Jesus who sends the invitation to us and asks us to come to him and we follow him. We do not choose ourselves, but he chooses us. The next thing that I'd like us to note about this invitation is that to follow Jesus doesn't mean to walk behind him. No. And when he stands, you stand, of course, maintaining physical distance. Uh-uh. But it means working in close proximity with Christ, being in an intimate relationship with Christ. It means willing to learn, leaning in to learn, to be taught by Jesus. It means willing to change, willing to forsake our olden ways and to transform into the new ways. It means being flexible. It means walking in obedience, saying yes to the Lord, saying yes to him when he calls. It means walking in obedience. It means going the way he is going. If the Lord is going on this direction, if I go on the, on the, on the opposite direction, I will not be following him. It means going to the direction of going the way that he is going. It also means doing the things that he does. If he's praying, we pray. If he's fasting, we fast. If he's teaching, we teach. Doing what he does. It means acting the way he acts, how he behaves, how he treats people, how he interacts with others. It means acting the way he acts. Guys, following Christ includes learning from him, imitating him, and submitting to his plans for our lives. So when the disciples, when these men followed Jesus, that is what they were signing up to. The third thing that I'd like us to note about this invitation is that following Jesus has, has to be something that we are willing to do. It's not something that we are forced to do or strange to come and do. No, it's something that we decide within our hearts that we are willing to follow through. We are willing to do this. Peter and his friends and brother, they would have decided to continue doing their trade of fishing. They would have decided to continue being ordinary fishermen, nothing fancy, but they said yes into following the Lord. They were willing to follow him. And because of their willingness to follow Jesus, they got a new identity. They were no longer fishermen, but now they were disciples. As much as it's Jesus who calls us, he will not force us to follow him. We have to be willing to follow him so that we can be his disciples. The fourth thing I'd like us to note is that following Christ is a step of faith into the unknown. Guess what? When Jesus was making this invitation, come follow me. 
He did not give them an itinerary of what is going to happen. He did not give them a map of where they are going. They did not know whether he's going to a wedding or a funeral, whether he's going to feast or to fast. They did not know whether he's going to Jerusalem or to Nazareth. They did not know whether he's going by donkey or by foot, but they took the step of faith and followed him. And this reminds me the story of Abraham. And when God called Abraham, he did not give him a map. He did not give him an itinerary. He did not tell him where exactly he was going, but he stepped out in faith and in obedience and in answering the call and followed the call of God. Guys, when God calls us many other times, we do not have the full picture, but we step in faith, knowing that he holds our future and that he will lead us. That is what the disciples did. They stepped out in faith and followed this Jesus, forsaking their fishermen, forsaking their trade, forsaking their source of income. And they followed this Jesus who invited them. Guys, the second thing that I want us to learn or to discuss about discipleship is their equipping. When Jesus invited them and told them, come, follow me, there was something to it. He said, I will make you fishers of men. Jesus was going to equip them after they said yes to following him. It is our work to follow Jesus, but it is his work to make us and mold us and train us and equip us to be what he wants of us. Guys, we note that when this disciple said yes to following the Lord, they did not start the ministry or the work of ministry the following day. Uh -uh. But they took time to be trained to be equipped, they actually enrolled into this school of Rabbi Jesus to learn from him. And Jesus was, was generous in teaching them. He taught them. He told them about his father and his kingdom in heaven. He gave them the principles of living in this world. He taught them about prayer, about forgiveness. He invited them to go with him as he was going out there to do ministry. He let them see the miracles that he was performing. And guys, he allowed them to be his mentees as he put himself out there as an open book for them to learn from him. The equipping, Jesus took time to equip and to train these disciples. In the game that we played while we were starting, the last question I asked was, what comes to mind when you think of a Christian? And guys, Christian, we said, is a follower of Christ. He learns from Christ. And this is what the disciples were doing. And Jesus laid himself out as a model. He modeled himself what, being, what Christ-likeness looks like. And today, Christ is not here for us to model him. We are the Christians who we should be modeling Christ to the people who are watching us. So my question is, are we modeling Christ in our circles? And guys, it reached a point in this process of equipping and being trained and all that, the disciples were increasing in number and they were at 72 now. And Jesus sent them out two by two. 
to go out there and heal the sick and proclaim that the kingdom of God is near. This was a, actually, this was an end of year exam. The training was almost coming to an end. And Jesus sent them out there confidently, knowing well that he had equipped them, knowing well that he had trained them. And guess what? As they came out from the field, they came back with testimonies of how they saw the devil, you know, fall down by the mention of Jesus. They came back with, and they I can say they passed the exams with flying colors because the teacher had taught them well. And what, guess what? They were now ready. They were now ready to graduate and go out there and practice what they were being taught. And that brings us to the third step of discipleship. And that is the commissioning. We see Jesus has made the invitation, come follow me. And then he tells them, as you, as you come, I'm going to train you. I'm going to equip you. And that was our second step. He equipped them so as he was making them to be fishers of men. And now they were ready to be sent out there to go and fish these men, even after they did the exam. And guys, the commissioning that we have here is a lifelong assignment that, has, that was given to the disciples back then and that has been given to us who are disciples right now and that will trickle to the disciples that we are going to disciple if Jesus tarries. It's a lifelong assignment. It continues to move on. And this is what is recorded in the book of Matthew. And Jesus says, he came to where the disciples were meeting and he told them, all authority has been given to me. I give it to you. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them. Remember they were being taught? No, Jesus is telling them, go out there and teach them again to obey what I have taught you and surely I will be with you until the end of time. A time had come that after the disciples had followed Jesus and they had been equipped, it was now time to go out there, teach others what they've been taught, make disciples of other people that they're going to meet on their way. And guess what? They were not going to do this alone. The Lord was going to be with them. And we see in the book of Acts, Jesus telling them, do not leave Jerusalem. Wait, wait. When Jesus was saying goodbye, because he was ascending back to the father, he told them, chill, wait. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who is, going, who is coming loaded with power to give you all the power that you need to go out there and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Guys, making disciples is what the disciples were called to do. And making disciples is what we have been called to do. With me here, I have a piece of a fishing net. And this I got from Orlando, actually, from my Bible study. I had this amazing group of women. Uh, they're not old at all. They're wise and loving, you know, and we used to meet every Friday and share a meal and share the word of God. And one day, I called them precious gems. And one day, one of the gems brought pieces of similar nets to this. And she laid them on the table and asked each and every one of us to take however many we wanted. I took two. And she explained and told us, because we asked, what are these nets for? And she told us that wherever you go, 
Whenever you see this piece of net, let it be a reminder that the Lord has called you to be a fisher of men. The Lord has called you to be a disciple maker. I took two and I passed on one to a friend. I went to her and told her, guess what? I want you to have this net. And I explained the story to her and let this be a reminder that indeed you are a disciple maker. I have this as a reminder. Every time I put it in my Bible and every time I go through my Bible and I see it, I am reminded that I have been called to be a fisher of men. Being a disciple of Jesus is more than giving our lives to Christ. It's about partnering with him in doing the work that he started here on earth, the work of fishing men. So the disciples have been commissioned. Let us see what they did after the commissioning. In the book of Acts, we see a record of many acts, of many things that the disciples did. But the first thing they did was to start churches. We see that they met in the temple and then they started meeting in people's houses, one house after the other, fellowshipping together, sharing the word of God together, breaking bread together, praying for one another and dining together. The first thing that they did after the commission was to start house churches inviting them that never went to the temple to come and fellowship with them. And because they loved on each other, they were walking in unity. The Lord added to their number every single day. And I feel that is something we too can do in response to this call that Christ has called us to be his disciple. We can go back home, open up our homes and invite people, people who probably have never stepped to church or people who have issues with going to church, invite them to come. We'll break bread together. We'll pray for one another. We'll dine together and share the word of God together. And as we follow through this, because we are not doing it alone, the Lord is with us just like he was with the disciples. He'll add onto our numbers every single day. And guess what? This is one of Summit's vision, a strategy to reach out to the unreached around us. And someone would ask, why? Why do a house church? I would say it's an intimate place of fellowship and worshiping the Lord. It's a close place and a close proximity where you can reach out to someone and watch their journey of transformation. When this COVID season came in, the, our country was closed. And I know the same happened in America. And most of the churches were closed. And some of the churches were creative, especially the rural churches that did not, you know, have the capacity to do internet and, you know, uh, you know shooting for or recording their services. The pastors were creative. I know of pastors in the rural areas who split their congregation into small house churches. And every house church met on alternate days. There was one that was meeting on a Monday, another one meeting on a Tuesday, and the pastor was able to go and minister to them in smaller groups. This has been fruitful as we hear the testimonies of these pastors. This has been fruitful because they've been able to reach out even to neighbors of their members who never, who never honored the invitation that they had received to come to church. And we've seen messages of transformation. And many of us have been working from home. So we've had people, mostly husbands, sorry to say this, who never attended church. But because their house was open, 
to have church, they attended. And we've had stories of transformation from having a church at home. In another setting, um, in India, I spent some time in India two years ago. And during my time there, I got the opportunity to minister in different churches and to also visit some other house churches. And there is this one particular house church that impressed me. There was this couple, they built their home and they decided to add an extra room. And they set apart this room for house church gatherings. And many people who came to the house church were women and they came on alternate days. There are several groups that came to use that room for a house church on alternate days. And guess what? Many of the members that came, they came in discreet, especially the women. They came discreetly. They did not want to announce out there that they are going to a house church. They just say they're going to visit someone. Because there was a lot, there's a lot of persecution in that area. And they fear that if they say they're going to a church, they may lose their lives or even lose their home. And I thank God that this couple obeyed the voice of the Lord to set apart that one room for people to come and gather and be ministered to. I had testimonies that when these women came and prayed fervently, the Lord even touched their husbands and they gave their lives to Christ and they joined the fellowship and the church continued to grow. I do wonder if this couple never obeyed the voice of God, what would have been of these people? Where would they have met Jesus? Where would they have met the God and the support that they needed to grow in their faith? But I thank God that they obeyed. So guys, you never know who you open your church to. You never know what your neighbor is going through. And when they come to your house, there'll be transformation in their, in their lives. But it is my prayer that we'll hearken to this call and say, yes. Yes, Lord. It is my prayer that we'll be that disciple that we say yes to the Lord. It is my prayer that we'll be that disciple that we say, yes, I will be a witness. It is my prayer that will be that disciple that will say, yes, I'll open up my house and I will invite people and we'll share the word of God together. I know that not every one of us would be up to the task to say, yes, I'll open my house. But you're not left out. Every one of us has a role to play into this great vision that God has given us. One can say, I can open my house, but I cannot lead. A leader will come and lead in that open house. One can say, fine, I'll be the one who sends out emails and calls and to invite people. One can say, fine, I'll be bringing popcorn every time we meet. And every person comes with their input because we are all the body of Christ. We are part of the body of Christ. And every part of this body, the fingers, the eyes, the ears, the nose, every part of this body has a significant role to play. And guys, each and every one of us has a significant role to play in this disciple-making disciple process, especially when it comes to inviting people into our homes. It is my prayer that we are going to plug into this and do this together. As I finish, I have a small story. And one of the things that I'd like you to do when you visit Kenya is go to the Masai Mara. And this is in the world where we have a very big acreage of land and we have, you know, animals live in that wild. And so people come, you know, tourists from local tourists and international tourists come and take rides in there. So when one comes to take a ride, they get into a Jeep and this Jeep is open. There are no doors, no windows, so that there cannot be any blockage in viewing the world. 
So they, this man who came and he was part of a team and he, they reached, when the driver was driving in the jungle, they reached a point and saw a pride of lions. And he was so terrified. He wanted to jump off the jeep. And the driver in broken English told him, do not think about it. Because when you jump down, it will take a second and the lions will tear you up. You'll be no more. But when we sit together in the jeep, all of us together, the lions think that we are this huge beast that he does not want to get in contact with. Guys, we are better together. We can do this. We can fulfill this call when we do it together. Craig Goshal says that God is not calling us to go to church. He is calling us to be the church. Will you be the church? Join me in prayer. Father Lord, we thank you for this great reminder that you've brought to attention this morning. That indeed you've called us to be your disciples. And that a disciple is not just one who has a relationship with Christ, but is also a witness of Christ. Father, would you help us even as we navigate, Lord, on how we can be your witness, as we navigate on how we can make other disciples, as we navigate of how we can fish for other men. Father, would you help us and would you walk with us? Father, some of these areas are areas that we've not been before. Would you hold our hands, Lord, and guide us through? And I pray, oh God, for even this vision that Summit has, oh God, of using house churches as a strategy of reaching to the unreached. I pray, oh God, that would you bring all the resources they need and all the people that are needed, Lord. May you, you're the one who makes the call. You make the invitation, Lord, I pray. Even as you invite these, your people, I pray, would you give them the assurance that indeed you're going to walk with them and they're not doing it alone. We thank you because we know that a great harvest shall we receive when we engage in this endeavor. We bless you, Lord, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.